There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of August 2013. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Lots of audios for a free download where I go through the big system. The big system that encompasses the world, because there's only one system uh, who's really in control right now. And I go into the organizations that formed a long time ago, 100 years ago or more, to bring in this particular system of total control over all societies. In other words, running it properly, they say in their own words, of course, uh, and of course they decide what is proper and what isn't proper. Uh, they use both the Soviet techniques and, and various other techniques to, to bring in a world with lots of uh, bureaucracies to, to make sure the public are all managed properly. And school to work, of course, was even uh, an idea that came out from the Soviet Union too. I've gone to the Rees Commission in the past and what the big foundations telling Norman Dodd, who was head of one of the, the commissions on that back in the 1950s, by the way, that uh, the idea was to, to merge the Soviet system with that of the West. And of course, that was always a policy of the Soviets, too, because Lenin mentioned it, too. He said the, the, the dictatorship over the proletariat would last about a, a generation, about 70 years. That's exactly what happened. Now, both sides, of course, were financed by uh, the one side, at the top, this little triangle, and that's the capstone of the big money boys of their time that really uh, were lending to nations. Nothing's changed. They're their own, the same families are still running the whole show. And when you go into the big organizations and their front groups, their foundations, which they own, and their think tanks, thousands of think tanks across the world, they advise the policies on every aspect of society for every country across the planet right now. So help yourself to the website. You'll find out what's behind it. I mentioned different books and so on to, to read through. And it really helps you understand the system. And it's at one system. Uh, parties are irrelevant today. And at the top, of course, they have the, uh, the, the it's a corporatocracy, as they call it today. Corporations are meant to rule the world in a new feudal system, according to the CFR's own uh, personal historian, Carl Quigley, because uh, he wrote the book on it, and he lit it out the bag at the time back in the 1960s. That's, that's where we are today as things get privatized. You can help me take along too here by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I don't sell any other products. I just depend on the public buying and stuff. And what it does is teach you the art of conology as we cut through all the nonsense that's put in front of us. And from the US to Canada, don't forget, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders to order. You can uh, you can also uh, send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through the planned austerity, is what they call it today, which is part of your training to, to pay more for less for everything that you need, food, water, uh, all utilities, your gas, uh, and so on, electricity. And, of course, it's much, much more money, bigger profits for the companies for giving you much less, so it's easier for the corporations. It's not a bad deal at all. And this is the, the way you're going to be trained into the future. Now, the Club of Rome, one of the other think tanks too, employed by the United Nations, that was set up 
by this Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Council on Foreign Relations boys, uh, is a front group too to make sure that international treaties are signed uh, and we all sign on to them, whether we're like it or not. The public are signed on by the ones you think that you elect, the ones that you think you elect are all members of the CFR, in uh, regards to the party at the top, and they will rubber stamp all the demands that big corporations put in front of them. And then we have also the private uh, armies, the non-governmental organizations under the United Nations, all employed and set up by the foundations, which are owned by the biggest banks in the world, to protest government and demand that certain laws be implemented, etc., which helps the plan go along. Government's only too happy to accept them and rubber stamp them. They're all in it together, folks. And the only people who don't know about it are those who are indoctrinated. And it's a hard thing for folk to to re-question everything they believe in and, and get back to what's really, really happening because if you shed all your old ideas completely, it's a hard thing to do, very hard thing to do. It's like a death. Like when someone dies, you go through all the same stages of grieving and anger and so on. When someone dies, it's close to you. When you find out that democracy is a big illusion, and it always was. Indoctrination is amazing because those who are indoctrinated perfectly indoctrinated, and that's what they call it, the top perfect indoctrination, uh, 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 they don't know that they're indoctrinated. They have automatic responses to certain topics. They get angry if you question any of them. That's Darwinian, uh, not Darwinian techniques, actually Pavlovian techniques, I should say, that's been indoctrinated into them. And these techniques are indoctrinated into all of us across the world. Because the sciences are very old. Today, of course, they've got neuroscientists writing out curriculums for schools, and psychologists and behaviorists all working on board with it too, to create the, the future, the children of the future. Every generation gets it, by the way, and they update it every couple of years so that the, each insect, even from kindergarten, is getting more indoctrination into the world that they're going to grow up in, thinking everything that comes along and when laws are changing and so on, they'll think it's all perfectly normal. Why not? All techniques discussed back in the 1930s by Beria, who was the head of the NKVD in, uh, in Soviet Russia at the time. So everything we're living through is a big business plan. And, and as I say too, that you've noticed that through public private partnership deals that have been out for years now, governments are shedding uh, the responsibilities to general populations as they privatize all big corporations. All the utilities, I should say, that the public's built up through their tax money that technically belonged to the general public are sold off for peanuts to the big corporations for your, everything that you need for survival, for personal survival. And that's the future. Uh, and Britain now they're privatizing everything. And it, it, even with Obamacare, which I'll uh, touch on tonight too, they, they used, Obama used, um, the Rand Corporation, the big think tank, uh, to see what kind of system they'd bring in. They said they'd follow Britain, and Britain's in an absolute mess. It's meant to be in a mess, by the way. Because first they bring in a single care system. With a, with a, with a paying initially and, uh, to one insurance company and then of course, or various insurance companies and then they bring it into one and then they privatize everything off once you've built up all the hospitals and it's all paid for by the general public. Standard techniques, of course, but, uh, the Rand Corporation said they'd follow Britain. In Britain, you can't even get your cataracts, uh, removed. You can't get hip replacements now as they slash the healthcare system to the bone. And that's what they've got in plan for America too. As I say, forget parties. 
because, because Quigley himself said every, in the 1960s, he said that uh, every president and prime minister in the world, he's talking about the Western, the first world countries, uh, has been a member of this organization, all on board with the sworn allegiance to it before any other oaths are taken. They've sort of sworn allegiance to it. In fact, they're vetted for the positions. The con game, of course, works because we think the, we don't vote new people in. We vote the last lot out. We're so sick of them. And you, you live in hope, constant hope. The next guys who lied to get in, of course, uh, will go along with their promises, which they never do. They never do. And don't think for an instant, too, that uh, even though Obamacare is new, I don't know why they're calling it Obamacare, because when Hillary Clinton was in years ago uh, with her husband, she really pushed the buttons to get the whole thing going. And they've been doing, and lots of bureaucrats have been working on this for many, many years, even before Obama. It's all one system. So we're living through plan changes, a big business plan, I say, and that's how it really is run across the world. Uh, Carl Quigley, the professor, Carl Quigley, he wasn't just any old professor, he was a historian, and he was also uh, basically a, a philosopher. But he, he taught, he understood anthropology too, and he taught this, most people from the State Department and diplomats, etc., and even parts of the military complex. He taught them in the future where things were going to go and how to get there, etc. Right down to, say, to using anthropology for different sects in society uh, and across the world, how to alter their behavior, and so on and so on. All planned out back in the 1960s. And he said that uh, the prime ministers and presidents had all been members of the organization for the last 60 years, that was, or, or, or even longer, back in the 1960s. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system that we're living under. And it's a long, long term plan, of course, for globalization. This is the century of change. And academia was calling uh, this century, the coming century, so the 20th century. Uh, that was the century of change. The 21st century was coming up. Here we're in it today. And we see the, the pace of change, massive change, very, very quick, of course, as we go through to, to basically bring in all the socialist systems, which big bankers love because they love socialism. They always keep a big welfare stake on the go because bankers live off debt, you understand? I'm talking the big bankers that lend to nations. And the nations' uh, heads go to the bankers every year to borrow money from them, actually many times a year. And so they like that too. Plus, they like it too because the biggest bankers in the world also own some of the biggest corporations across the planet. Most of them actually, the biggest ones across the planet. It's really small. A small group of people really own uh, most of the big corporations in the world. And again, most of them are, are international bankers. But they also like a big uh, welfare state, as I say, because they like unemployed people. Because the more unemployed people there is, the wages go down. And people don't expect big pay raises and, and so on and so on and so on. So everything works to their, to their, uh, to their proper way, of course. And the folk will keep, the ones who are working will keep the welfare folk going forever too, uh, and paying higher and higher taxes. So the bankers always get paid regardless. Now, this article ties in with it because it's about 10 reasons why Obamacare is going to ruin your medical care and your life, it says here. And it's by Elizabeth Lee Vliet, MD. 
and she goes into the, the different things about it. She says, health insurance exchanges are the basket of qualified insurance policies that meet the new healthcare law requirements for expanded coverage. They may be set up by the states, and many are refusing to do so, due to the high cost of fear of bankrupting the state or the federal government. The exchanges are supposed to be fully operational by October 1st, 2013, but it's questionable whether it will actually be in place by that deadline. The individual mandate requires that individuals purchase health care insurance that meets the new expanded federal requirements. Individuals who don't comply face a financial penalty because they live in the land of the free. Individuals who fall below minimum income levels will be eligible for taxpayer-funded subsidies to buy health insurance. Once again, there's no incentive to work in this day and age. The employer mandate requires that businesses with more than 50 full-time employees must provide health insurance for all employees and that insurance must meet the new standards set forth in the new law. Businesses that don't comply must pay a financial penalty for each employee, which for large companies can run into the millions of dollars annually. This is the piece of Obamacare that has been delayed by one year. The employer mandate. Then there's selective enforcement. Understand that every politician uses, uh, they make speeches written by speechwriters. Uh, the, the heads of departments, and there's politicians assigned to be at the head of this or that or whatever, it's like musical chairs, are not suddenly experts in every department. They rely upon the lifers, the lifers, the, the bureaucrats, which are far more important, actually. They're there for life. They know their departments and so on. They write up their speeches and so on. But they also bring on board uh, scientists, uh, psychologists, uh, neuroscientists, behaviorists, and so on, to how to put it over to the public. Actually, how to put it over on the public is really the, the way, because they use public relations specialists as well. And the idea being, you, you fall for the, part, the first part, it sounds bad enough, it's as well as it could be worse. But, well, you don't think it's going to get worse, or you, you live in hope, so it won't get worse. But it's meant to get worse. It's a step at a time. That's all it is. It's like leading cheese to the mousetrap. And that's, that's how you go along. Just to answer that question, we must first understand the fact that Obama wants a single-payer healthcare system in the U.S. It's not a secret. Barack Obama said in 2003, I happen to be a proponent of a single-payer healthcare system for America. But as all of you know, we may not, may not get there immediately. See, that's the whole thing, step by step to the mousetrap. And in 2007, Obama says, but I don't think we'll be able to eliminate employer-based coverage immediately. There's potentially going to be some transition time. So eventually, they're going to eliminate employer-based coverage altogether. It says, these quotes are not taken out of context. Anyone who's been paying attention knows that transitioning to a single-payer system has been Obama's and his cohort's ultimate goal all along. Such as from this guy, it says, uh, Representative Jan Shakovsky. Uh, uh, he's a Democrat from Illinois in 2009, said, Next to me was a guy from the insurance company who, who then argued against the public option. He said it would not let private insurance companies compete. A public option would put the private insurance companies out of business and lead to single-payer single friends. He was right, he says. The man was right. And then uh, Representative Shakovsky is suggesting that the public option will lead to their desired goal of a single-payer health care system. Single-peer proponents no longer use this term since the public has clearly and consistently opposed it. So they bring in the, the, the neuroscientists, change the term, but it's the same thing. Now, when they change the term, it's meant to cause confusion so you don't think about it anymore. That's how the mind works. You can't figure something out, you just dismiss it. It's just the public option has been renamed Medicaid Expansion. 
which serves the public relations purpose of confusing the public and avoiding calling taxpayer-funded health care single-payer. And Jacob S. Hacker, who's a professor at Yale, 2008, who is all for, of course, because most of the folk who put in his professorships are all far, far left, are socialist. And they're all in the big secret, too, that's all a con game, but they don't tell the students that. So someone uh, once told me this is a Trojan horse for single pair. It's not a Trojan horse, right? It's, just, it's right there. I'm telling you, we're going to get there over time, slowly, but we're going to move away from the reliance on employer-based health insurance as we should. But we will do it in a way that we are not going to frighten people into thinking they're going to lose their private insurance. We will give them a choice of public or private insurance when they are in the pool. We are going to let them keep their private insurance as long as their employer continues to provide it. So once it's back to single payer, then away goes your private insurance. Hacker nicely sums up the underlying goals of Obamacare, not to increase competition or or patient choice, but to drive people out of private insurance as a stepping stone to a government-run single-payer system. Now, once the government gets it in, I can guarantee you, uh, then, uh, and it's been going for a few years, they'll say it's unsustainable, then they'll privatize it to one corporation for the whole country. That's corporate uh, capitalism in action, you see. And that's what you've got at the top. As I say, Carl quickly said that too, the next system they're bringing in the 21st century would be uh, basically run by corporations, and the CEOs would be the new feudal overlords. It's a feudal system. And this goes on to say stepping stone to single pair, and it says knowing Obama and his cohort's goal, the, the purpose behind the delay of the employer mandate seems clear to hurry the transition time away from employer-based health insurance and to a single pair system. By forcing individuals to purchase compliant healthcare plans but not forcing employers to provide those plans, Obama is creating a swell of 10 to 13 million workers that must enroll in health insurance but cannot obtain it from their employers. Those, these workers thus have no choice but to use the government-controlled health insurance exchanges or pay a financial penalty. This represents a doubling of the number of workers forced to get health insurance on the exchanges. You understand how we're manipulated by whole massive bureaucracies of experts who do nothing but scheme on how to con the public. And this is only one area of it, too. They do it on every area. That's how we're managed, folks. Very simply, really. Old, old techniques. And also, uh, this, this also uh, snaps into it too. Because I can remember back uh, a few years back, Obama talked in one of his speeches uh, basically about the cost of keeping elderly folk alive. And he's not a proponent of it. He believes that uh, uh, they should not keep elderly people going or even give them treatment. He mentioned his grandmother at one point too and says, I, I really question if the cost was worth it, etc., etc. Well, guess what? With Obamacare coming in, uh, a lot's changing to do with uh, diagnosis, costs of running everything, and so on. After 30 years of cancer over diagnosis, scientists are calling for a redefinition of the disease. It says, will changing the definition of cancer improve diagnosis and health for all, it says. And it says, who would have thought that advances in medical technology could potentially lead to unnecessary diagnosis and detrimental treatment plans? There's some music coming in. Back with us after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the redefining of cancer by the Cancer Institute, which isn't a, an institute that you think uh, of. It's, it's, it's put this way, it's not what you think it is. Because they come out with nonsense every year, yet or you get massive grants. Their job isn't to find cures for cancer. In fact, medicine today isn't for curing anything at all. It's for treating everything. They prefer treatment for as long as you live because it's, it's very lucrative to the big pharma that really runs the AMA and so on. And even trains doctors today, that's where most of their books come from. So I'll put up a big pharma, etc., etc. But um, so they want to redefine cancer, which, and of course, the way they put it too will help improve diagnosis and health for all. Of course, that's the, that's the, the part there that's, that throws you off because it's not meant to help you. It's meant for more folk to die off with cancerous people because this is a time of austerity coming in, you see. And there's lots of folk already in some countries like Britain dying off with cancers. People in, in Canada too often can't get in in time. And so they go to the States to have uh, tumours removed uh, and so on. Otherwise, or they also wait here and just die. But Britain's even way ahead of that. So they have a good way of depopulation, you see. Remember too, the United Nations stated a while back that a good global citizen is a, both a producer and a consumer. Once you're retired or you're incapacitated, you're a consumer only, and that's a bad global citizen. Anyway, it says cancer is merely an overgrowth of cells in a particular region or organ of the body. Upon diagnosis, patients tend to take the path of, path of least resistance and opt for every possible treatment. But cancer diagnosis constitutes more than a few abnormal cells. The cells have to show the ability to continue to grow and cause the body harm. Often by the time it causes body harm, you're dead. It's a spread all over your body. It says, what's more, cancer treatments are highly invasive and can become debilitating, especially if they aren't needed. Thankfully, screenings for other cancers in the breast, lung, or thyroid will often pick up innocuous abnormalities that are misread as cancers. Now, the acknowledgement by the National Cancer Institute of Cancer over-diagnosis and over-treatment provides an opportunity to reshape cancer screening with a focus on de- redefining what cancer is and isn't. Well, if you talk to oncologists, I'm telling you, they take no chances in anything because they're so often wrong one way or another. And, uh, and that's a fact, folks. And uh, they often misdiagnose something and people die of it. I knew someone who died recently, too, who was diagnosed about a year and a half before with um, a non-malignant uh, uh, fibrosis, a uh, uh, fibroid, basically, of the ovary, and ended up getting ovarian cancer and, and died not long ago. Uh, that's pretty common. Oh, it's a simple thing, you know. It should have been in right away and had the thing out. But by the time they re-diagnosed it again, it's, oh, gee, it's getting bigger and spreading. It was too late. Anyway, it says, we need a 21st century redefinition of cancer instead of a 19th century definition of cancer, which is what we've been using, it says. In other words, they're cutting back, folks. It's, it's all they do with cutbacks, cutbacks, cutbacks. Uh, and get ready for the new healthcare systems that that's coming into the U.S. especially, as I say, copying the British system. 
Also, this article too uh, shows you how people, uh, I've got a few links to the same article, but I'll put them all up tonight at cuttingthroughmedics.com, to do with how we're being snooped and everything. I mean, the computer was given to us not for our uh, use, really, or our fun, put it that way, but really to get you hooked on it through through entertainment and so on, and to get you to forget that, that everything you do is being snooped on by the authorities. It's the best spy mechanism ever put out there. And you buy it. That's why they gave it the name personal computer. It's mine. It's mine. I can set all the, all the privacy thing, buttons myself, etc., etc. That was a con from the beginning. The, the boys at the top don't let things out to the public and then sit back and say, oh, look what's happened. We didn't see this coming. They prepare long before that and then decide if they're going to give it to you or not. And if they do give something to you, believe you me, they've already tampered with it to make sure they'll always be on top, but especially with the computer. But a New York woman was visited by police after researching pressure cookers online. And, and this is in Long Island. This happened, it says. And it says, a New York woman says her family's interest in the purchase of pressure cookers and backpacks led to a home visit by six police investigators demanding information about her job, her husband's ancestry, and the preparation of Quinoa. This is Michelle Catalano, now lives in Long Island, New York. Sarah Webb searches for pressure cookers, her husband's hunt for backpacks, and her news junkie's son's craving for information on the Boston bombings had combined somewhere in the internet ether to create a perfect storm of terrorism profiling. Uh, they're doing it with everybody, folks. You know, they know all. They, go, they know more about you than you do, and they they, they were instantly irretrievable what you were doing and putting out in certain days where you looked at and so on. You don't have that. You you forget it all. Most of you forget. Members of what she described as a joint terrorism task force descended on their home on Wednesday. Uh, Catalano was at work, but her husband was sitting in the living room as the police arrived. She retold the experience in a post on Medium.com on Thursday. She attributed the raid largely to her hunt for a pressure cooker, an item used devastatingly, allegedly by two Sarnef brothers in Boston, but also used by millions across the country to prepare vegetables while retaining most of their nutrients. And by the way, when the Boston bombings happened, I noticed even the British newspapers, they even had the diagrams on how the darn things are made. I mean, come on, folks, wake up. Since the story later took on a different complexion when police finally explained, the investigation was prompted by searches a family member had made for pressure cooker bombs and backpacks made at his former workplace. The former employer, believing his searches to be suspicious, alerted police in Catalonia said the family member was her husband. And so on and so on. It happens and happens and happens. But it just shows you. Uh, remember, enchilons don't go to certain words that you use are picked up and prioritized and then relate to other, other words you use in different emails or searches. And they do, they're constantly doing a personality profile on every single person and they update it daily from the stuff that you put out there by all electronic communication. But I'll put this up tonight too. Getting back to corporatocracy where, where basically corporations run the world today, private corporations including the, the private foundations that, that fronts for them too, and the, the foundations like the Ford Carnegie and all the rest of them out there, there's so many of them, uh, are all owned by a handful of people, and they, they run hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of non-governmental organizations worldwide. They fund them and set them up. But uh, you forget too that uh, the corporations get everything rubber stamped by governments. All the protection agencies you think you have are not there to protect you, from food to anything else or medicine, is here to protect the corporations, folks, and get through what they want through. Especially if they can get deals from governments to buy, say, 10 years in advance of flu vaccination on contracts. That's quite the sale, folks. Quite the sale, indeed. 
And it's called the Global Vaccine Action Plan. It's the result of a global consultation effort which gathered inputs from more than 1,100 people from 142 countries and 297 organizations, that's all the NGOs, in Asia, Africa, Americas, Europe, Middle East and Western Pacific. The Decade of Vaccines Collaboration, that's what it's called, would like to express its appreciation to all individuals and stakeholders, as big farmers and all the rest of it, that provided comments and feedback to the draft GVAP. The GVAP agenda, and it gives you the hope that all the numbers of it and the links and so on, was discussed by the member states during the 65th session of the World Health Assembly in Geneva in May 2012, during which all 184 member states voted to endorse the GVAP. In other words, uh, they get every country on board with it, and the, the corporations and the NGOs draft up the treaties and, and the demands to vaccinate and, and so on, and then your, your government rubber stamps it. The public, the public have no input, and they don't even know what's going on in the public. They really don't. They don't input on anything at all. Anyway, it says that the Global Vaccination Action Plans approved by the WHA can be viewed in the following languages. And I'll put it up here too. It goes through how the, the plan was developed and so on. And the World Health Assembly and, and all the different governments taking part in it on the global immunization vision and strategy of government. Also tonight too, to go with this too, I'll put an article from the Global Center Development that's associated with this. It's called Making Markets for Vaccines. You understand, this is all making markets for vaccines. Whether it works or not doesn't matter. Where it kills folk either doesn't matter. It's Making Markets for Vaccines. Global Health Policy Research Network. And it's a PDF. I'll put that up tonight too. And I'll show you that it's just your standard sales, 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 and so on. And it gives you a list of the working group members. Vaccine funds, Pan American Health Organization, uh, mass, the MIT, of course, is in there. The World Bank is in there, the big private organization that's set up by the CFR. And uh, the Brookings Institution, Harvard University. Anybody who's anybody is in here, folks, all the big top universities and so on. They all get funding from the big companies and corporations and big pharmas too, and the foundations. But you understand everything that you, you, you see to do with things today is propaganda, is marketing uh, for money, for big corporations. So this is the age in which we live. See, Carl Quigley mentioned and, and said in his own book, the world is to be a new feudal system, a new feudal system. Corporates, corporations run the new feudal system. The CEOs are the new feudal overlords. That's the plan. That's the big plan, folks. And we're here, actually. We're here. We're going through the big transition phases of it, too. And also this article here. Retail stores plan elaborate ways to track you, new ways to track you in the stores. And I'll come back with more on this after this break. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about being tracked in stores. They call it personalized advertising and all the rest of it, but it's really, uh, we're living in a, an age of uh, constant surveillance, basically. And these tie into it too, of course, with the NSA and everybody else too. It's not just advertisers. But this article says retailers are experimenting with a variety of new ways to track you. When you find a new shirt, you might get a message about the matching shorts, pick up a new pair of Nike golf shoes at a sports store, and you might see a discount for a new set of clubs. 
Location-based tracking is getting much more precise. The new technologies like magnetic field detection, Bluetooth low energy, sonic pulses, and even transmissions from the in-store lights can tell you you, uh, when you enter a store, where you go and how you shop and who you are, of course. And it says, it sounds like Minority Report all over again. Fortunately, companies are working on the tech have learned their lesson about privacy. And Mir Nordstrom uh, fessed up to a Wi-Fi fingerprint technology from Euclid Analytics that can track you without opting in. The new applications make it more clear that you are giving up your privacy for a good deal. I tell you, you could sell the people in the world down the tubes for getting something for free or, or a deal or whatever. It's so simple, isn't it? It's basic psychology. Uh, so they give you your, your privacy for, for a, a few bucks off some item. Uh, Josh Marty, the CEO of a customer tracking company called Point Inside, told Fox News last year that tracking was only accurate within 100 feet at that time. As his companies often use Wi-Fi fingerprint to tell you when you walk through the department. Now starting this year, they can track within a few feet. I, I bet it's exact. They know exactly where you are. This is one example. A company called Bite Light makes software for the LED lights in a store. Lights transmit a unique signal that the camera in your phone can read. It can also read your phone, obviously. The store can then track your location with about three feet. Uh, so it's got many other things in this article, too, which I'll also put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But that shows you where it's all going. And as I say, folks, don't complain. And they'll get their, they'll sell their, they go back to slavery, uh, you know, dollar by dollar that they save on something. It's so simple to do, isn't it? Now, we all know that the big banks were told by the Bank for International Settlements after the Cyprus deal that they had to bring in a bail-in or, or this theft of uh, depositors' money from their banks, make these schemes to make it, make it legal. Uh, when they want to use it, which means they're going to use it, and they'll take effect apparently by 2015 across the world. Again, the Bank for International Settlements was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the private organization that also is, has the American branch, the CFR, and the branches across the world today. They set up the BIS. Because, because you see, it was the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs was set up in the first place by the, the international bankers living in the city of London 100 years ago. Anyway, uh, he's Australia. Now, they also signed the same deal to, to steal the customer's money uh, by 2015, which means something big is going to happen then. And it says Australia unveils now a levy on bank deposits. Now, they'll all copy suit because the British Empire, as you say, which is now called the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, is still the empire, empire of the London city, that's the city of London. Australia has unveiled a levy on some bank deposits to raise money towards a fund aimed at safeguarding against a banking collapse. Now, that's how trustworthy banks are. They're not going to protect themselves against conning the public and crashing their economy again. And so they're going to bring on a levy, a tax on bank deposits to raise money towards a fund aimed at safeguarding against a banking collapse to protect themselves. Deposits up to 250000 will have to pay a levy of 0.05% from January 2016, it says. It will be imposed on banks and not account holders, but banks have warned that the costs may be passed on to the customers, which means, of course, that they will be, naturally. And believe you me, uh, it's, it's not up to 250000 uh, Maybe that's what their goal is. They've got to have so much in. Uh, per, per every million that they owe, but uh, it's going to go down to everybody in the holds an account. It's going to be taxed, folks. It's the same when they don't believe too that over a hundred thousand dollars you'll be insured by them either. 
they're, they're, going to sca- they're going to scalp everybody when the big, big crash comes. When, when it's planned. It's all planned this way. Everything's pl- always planned way years ahead of anything happening. Four or five years before the big bank crash of 2008, uh, it came out two or three years afterwards, of course, that they all knew it was coming five years prior to this and so on. And they, they did all their maneuvers to get their personal accounts and money out and so on before they crashed banks and, 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 and uh, put everybody out of their homes and so on and across the U.S. and elsewhere across the world. I love the names they have too in banks like the trust. You know, you can, the, the trust, the so-and-so trust. All, all the contracts of the, of the con man are, are still used today and everything that they, they sell to you, eh? And they scalp the public all the time. And they don't go to prison, of course, they're untouchable. When they just uh, scam the public. Because, you remember, corporations run the world. Not your governments. Your governments work for them. Also, I've mentioned, too, uh, about the U.S. Post Office. Now, they're privatizing the one in Britain. And they sent over a Canadian woman uh, who obviously had the right uh, credentials and maybe family connections. Uh, who shot to the top out of nowhere, and they sent her over to Britain to privatise the system there for the post office. In the US, they're copying it too. But it says, built to revamp the US post office is set to advance, and it gives you the usual spiel and so on. But the whole idea is it's putting you to the fact that they just can't sustain it anymore with their pension schemes and all the rest of it, even though it was the most profitable uh, public enterprise there, there was, actually it still is. But, but the federal government actually grabs money from it every year to pay other pensions outside the post office. And that's why uh, it's, it's been dropping. The money's been dropping. Not because they haven't been making money at the post office at all. But they want to privatize everything, remember, uh, that the public built up over years. And that is the plan for the world. But I'll put this article up t- tonight as well for those who want to see it. And just to end this too, uh, we've seen all the cons in the greening programs because the greening agenda is run by the biggest corporations on the planet. Uh, and they're getting money from governments to try out nonsensical things. They don't even have to come up with, with a, a final product to sell that's going to save us energy. Trial run for the biggest battery in Europe that could help power Britain. There's a, there's a, there's a part there. Could help. That, so in other words, this is legality. It doesn't have to. So a trial of the late largest battery in Europe, which proponents hope will transform the UK electric supply and boost renewable energy, is due to start in Leighton, Buzzard, Bedfordshire. A trial of cutting-edge energy storage technology will test new methods of capturing electricity for release over long periods, even out the bumps and troughs of supply and demand that plague the electric grid. Finding ways of storing power from the wind and solar generation is key to maintaining a constant source of energy. Well, we've all seen what's happened to the, the, to the alternative powers, especially in the U.S. too, where billions and billions were given and lost by these companies that just scamper off with the money. They don't have to complete anything. They just declare bankruptcy at the end, lose nothing at all, gain a lot. It's the same thing in Britain and elsewhere because when the wind doesn't blow, these turbines don't turn. They can't supply much energy to start with. They're awfully expensive even to maintain. And, of course, same with solar too. And the more they do aerial spraying or geoengineering, which they've been doing for since 1998 uh, now, uh, the less uh, sunlight's coming through to the earth all the time. NASA had it on its own website years ago when they started the spraying and started calling it global dimming is occurring. Global dimming, folks. So here they're going to create massive... They're going to use the public purse again to give it to a private company to make this super, super 
um, uh, uh, battery system. Uh, they make a one-off, of course. So they put billions in making one of them to see if it works or not. And after that, they'll just die away. The whole idea of it will simply die away. And the big boys have got their, their cash. So NRC says, at the electric substation serving Leighton Buzzard, three companies are hoping to deploy one of the, the biggest batteries ever constructed using lithium manganese technology. The £18.7 million project will form the centrepiece of a trial of energy storage that could, could have far-reaching implications for the renewables sector. Three companies are SNC Electric Europe, a private company, Samsung SDI and Unicos have gained £13.2 million backing from the UK taxpayer for their 6 megawatt capacity battery installation, which will absorb and release energy to meet the demands of the grid, or it may, you see. The first results are not expected until 2016. The public finance corporations all... You talk about welfare? That's where the real welfare is. We pay welfare to big corporations every darn day, folks. All the biggies. We bail out the banks when they scam the public. And you still go and vote. Because your daddy did vote left wing or right wing. And you'll do the same. What is this, folks? Time you realized it. From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>